Good morning, friends. Last time I spoke, uh, I spoke for 51 minutes. I can assure you I won't be doing that this morning. And the advantage is uh, for, for you that you can uh, see exactly how long it's going to be on your little bar across there and you can speed me up or slow me down or, or whatever you like or stop me. Let's, uh, let's just pray before we start. Father, thank you for your written word. Please use it this morning along with the spoken word from, from this week vessel. Speak to each of us by your Holy Spirit that we may know your living word, Christ Jesus our Saviour. Amen. Well, in December last year, our son Noah had four of his teeth pulled out. I was the one who sat in the operating theatre with him. I was the one who held his hand while the general anaesthetic took him away into the land of unconsciousness and the medical staff led me away from the room. For the next hour, I, uh, I, I sat, uh, I had a, a deep, uh, deep sense of longing to see my six-year-old. Uh, I longed to see him face to face, to hear news that he was okay, that everything had gone well. I spent that hour thinking a lot about him and, and praying for him. And when finally I was called to come back into the recovery room and I, I saw my son's eyes open and I, I heard his voice and I, I, I held his hand, it was such a relief, such a such a, a joy and such a comfort, knowing that he was well. And I know many of you have had uh, similar experiences to that. You can relate to that, I'm sure. In the passage we're going to look at today, uh, we, we're looking at the passage where Paul and his companions faced, um, they faced longing as they were torn away from their spiritual children. The new Christians that they'd shared the good news of Jesus with, the salvation that is in Christ. Uh, and and it, the passage describes their, their great joy and great comfort as they uh, finally find news that their believers are doing well. Um, so, we're continuing our, our study uh, this morning through the book of 1 Thessalonians that Nathan and myself have been sharing, uh, taking us through this journey of 1 Thessalonians. We're up to chapter 3 and verses 6 to 11. So, let's just uh, remember for a moment, let's just recap a little bit what's happened so far. So remember, who's writing this? It's, it's Paul, Silvanus and Timothy. The Apostle Paul to the new and established church in Thessalonica, this wealthy and bustling port city in Macedonia, which is now Greece. And it was written 2,000 years ago, more or less, um, shortly after Jesus was taken back to heaven after being raised from the dead. And so, just to recap, we, we first looked in, uh, in chapter 1, we read of Paul's ministry among the Thessalonians. It was wonderfully inspirational. The, um, the Thessalonians had, had lapped up the good news. Their, their pagan lives were being transformed by the Lord Jesus. We saw in verse 3 of chapter 1, uh, their faith, their hope, their love. Uh, in verse 6, 
We see they're imitating the apostles and they're imitating the Lord in their, their godly behaviour. In verse 8, we see that they're turning away from their idols. They're rejecting their old way. So that was chapter 1. Then chapter 2, the first 13 verses, we, we saw the, uh, the, the, they were being trained in godliness through Paul's ministry. And, and we also um, had the, those, that example for us, that, that big example of B-I-G, the boldness in speaking, even though they were severely persecuted, they were bold in their faith. And then the, the I, the integrity in their living, um, the, the disciple, the apostles were, uh, were coming at it from pure motives. There was not greed. They're sharing their lives with the Thessalonians. And then the G, the gentleness in discipling. These were new believers and, uh, and Paul and, and his companions were caring for them like a mother caring for her child. Like a father exhorting his children. So that was the first part of chapter 2. Uh, and then last week, Nathan, uh, sorry, two weeks ago, Nathan spoke to us about how ministry can be painful. We saw there the apostles were torn away from the believers. Um, in chapter 2, verse 17, it says there, we're torn away from you, brothers. Uh, and how the new church faced many afflictions. And so... That gives us a bit of context where we're up to. And so it's in the midst of this difficult time, this gut-wrenching separation, that we come to today's passage. And now we can feel with Paul the hope and the joy and the comfort as Timothy brings back this good news from Thessalonica. This is probably the reason why Paul actually wrote the letter in the first place. He's so overjoyed to hear this encouraging report from Timothy that he's inspired to write this letter. Um, as Nathan mentioned a couple of weeks ago, how much we can relate to this situation described here. We think about, um, look at chapter 3 verse 10 where it says, As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face. See, um, Nathan and I decided uh, months ago, that we would preach through 1 Thessalonians, long before any of, any of uh, any of us had any idea that we wouldn't be meeting uh, face to face on a Sunday mornings. And isn't, isn't God good? Uh, he knows what we need. And uh, He's given us this passage here. And nothing takes Him by surprise. So Paul and the Thessalonians were apparently separated by persecution. We're separated by disease and by government restrictions, but the pain is nonetheless similar. So in today's passage, the, the pastoral heart of Paul, Silas and Timothy is obvious and challenging for us, uh, especially for, for us elders um, who are overseeing the flock. But for all of us, all of us Christians, all who are in Christ, it is a, a challenge for us and an encouragement. So I've broken this down into, into three points, um, and I think uh, what, what I see here is, is a cause and effect at work between the apostles and the believers at Thessalonica. The three points I've put on the bulletin there, um, you can follow along if you've got the bulletin. 
The first one is that separation causes longing. Then the second point, the longing should drive us to prayer and to seek fellowship with one another. And the third point is that faith and love of others produces joy in us and comfort in us. So it's worth mentioning here, um, worth remembering that Paul, who's writing this letter, was putting Christians to death. Early on in his life, as a zealous Pharisee, he was putting Christians to death. But Jesus, in his grace and mercy, chose Paul to be his servant. God changed Paul's heart. And what we witness in these verses is the fruit of a heart that's been radically transformed by the Holy Spirit. And so then for us, um, who have experienced the grace and mercy of God in Christ Jesus in our lives, we've been radically transformed and uh, by the same Holy Spirit. So these causes, these circumstances that produce um, these effects in, in Paul, they should produce similar effects in our lives. So let's look at these together. So the first cause and effect here is separation causes longing. Paul and his companions were torn away from the brothers. We see that in verse 17 of, of chapter 2. For a short time. Not, uh, not in person, sorry, in person, not in heart. We read in Acts 17 that Paul and Silas were sent um, to the city of Berea in the night um, because the Jews had stirred up this crowd against them and the, um, the same Jews then came down to Berea and even drove them even further away. Um, the, the tearing away led to a longing in the believers. Um, chapter 2 verse 17 says, We endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. And then in chapter 3, verses 6, it says, We long to see you. And again, in, in chapter 3, verse 10, it says, We pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face. Note, the, the longing here is mutual. Verse 6 says, You always remember us kindly and long to see us, as we long to see you. It's, a, it's such a joy for Paul and his companions to learn that the feeling of longing was actually two-way. It was mutual. They wanted to see the believers and the believers wanted to see them. Um, and there are other places in the New Testament where this, this idea of longing between brothers is recorded. Just a couple of examples. Um, in Philippians 2, 25 and 26, the example of Epaphroditus, who was longing for fellowship with the Philippians says, this is Paul speaking, he says, I've, I've thought it necessary to send you to Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you, for you all, and has been distressed because he heard that, that because you heard that he was ill. Um, in our reading this morning, Taryn and I, we read uh, from 2 Timothy, where Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, I remember you constantly in my prayer night and day. I remember your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. It's, it's normal 
for Christians to feel heart longing for fellowship when they become separated from brothers and sisters. In fact, of course, this is a natural part of, of being human, isn't it? We're, we're made in the image of God. God is a, a triune God. We're made for relationship. Uh, we're made for community. It's natural to, to have, uh, if we haven't had contact with family or, or friends, um, we long for that contact. But for Christians, uh, our Christian fellowship should be even, we should have an even greater longing for that. And so, brothers and sisters, if you feel a longing in your heart for fellowship, then be encouraged. This is good and right. It's a, it's a right response to separation as the Holy Spirit works in you. In 2 Corinthians 13, uh, sorry, yes, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14, we have this, this often quoted doxology that says, The grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's worth just spending a few moments considering what fellowship is. What is this fellowship of the Holy Spirit? And um, it's, it's a spiritual reality. The Greek word for fellowship is, is koinonia, and it means to share in something. It's used a lot of different places in the, in the New Testament. Just a few examples. 1 Corinthians 10.16 speaks of participating in the body of Christ. Um, when we drink the cup and eat the bread, we share in the benefits of what Christ has achieved. That idea of sharing, this is, this is the koinonia, this is the fellowship. In 2 Corinthians 8.4, it um, speaks there of the Macedonian church begging to participate, to have fellowship, to share financially with the needs of the saints. In Philippians 3.10, uh, it speaks of the sharing in the fellowship of Christ's suffering. So all these places, it's, it, this fellowship is a, is a sharing. It's more than friendship. Uh, John Piper puts it this way, fellowship is a mutual bond that Christians have that puts us in a deep, eternal relationship with one another. It's the mutual bond Christians have with one another, that, with, sorry, have with Christ, that puts us in a deep relationship with one another. You and I can have fellowship with Christians who are not our friends. It is deeper than friendship. Because of this mutual bond with Christ. Because Christ has died for both, then both have been given a right to become children of God. So, um, a few examples. When Taryn and I spoke at a church in Ballarat about our serving with Sim uh, last year, and several beautiful, godly uh, old ladies came up to us after the service and they informed us that they'd been praying for us for, for a couple of years and uh, especially while my mum had been sick with cancer and, and she passed away, then we, we were just blown away. Um, we didn't know these old ladies from a bar of soap. And yet, here, they, they'd come and they'd shared in that moment um, that they'd been praying for us and we shared instant fellowship with them. And we're so thankful to God for, for their faith and for their love. And they encourage us greatly. And when we go into prison and, and a bloke turns up 
uh, in the Bible study for the first time and, and tells us he's a Jew and um, how he'd, he'd called on the name of Jesus in his, in his desperation of, of self-destruction and his attempts to commit suicide. And God had, Jesus had answered his prayers and, 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 and rescued him. And then, even though we'd never met this guy before, we immediately shared fellowship with him. We also share in that testimony of, of Jesus' goodness to us. And so we share fellowship with him. And so fellowship is, is uh, it's deep. And it's, it's this that we long for. It's a longing in our hearts um, for fellowship. And this longing in our hearts, shouldn't, it shouldn't lead us to despair or to, to crawl inside our shell, shells and, and, you know, the misery and, and being self-absorbed. This longing should cause us to seek out God and His people. And, and this is what happens in, in Paul's life and this is what should happen in our lives. So that brings us to the second point, that longing leads to seeking and it leads to action. So, um, Paul, Silas and Timothy, the, the longing that they have for fellowship with the brothers leads them to seek fellowship in two ways. Firstly, from, from the believers themselves, in that they send Timothy to get news. And secondly, from the Lord in prayer. Uh, if we look at verse 5 of chapter 3, we read, For this reason... When I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith. Paul sought news from the believers. He's like a father or a mother, desperate to hear news from a son or daughter in a foreign country. What about us? Do we seek news from our brothers and sisters? Do we have a genuine desire to have fellowship with one another? I guess the COVID-19 time is a, it's a time of testing for us, isn't it? I think it exposes our true motives for, for going to church. If, if you've got no desire uh, to have mutual fellowship with other believers, um, and that can be through phone calls, emails, letter, giving a gift or, or whatever in, in these times, if, if you're content just to be fed your weekly sermon, and sing the worship songs on YouTube in your own home, then you've got the wrong idea of church. These things are great, don't get me wrong, they're, they're great and they're necessary, but they're just the tip of the iceberg of what church actually is. Don't be a consumer. Church is not one way, it's not like there's those who minister and those who are ministered to. It says in, in 1 Peter 4.10, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. When the routine of, of meeting together is stripped away from us, do we make the effort to still seek fellowship with one another? I, I've been encouraged and challenged by others in this congregation who have sought fellowship in the past couple of weeks. Our Bible study group usually meets each Thursday, and um, I guess in my apathy I was ready to, uh, to let it go and to, to have a break, thinking it was just too hard. Um, if we can't meet face to face, it's too hard. 
but I'm grateful for those in the group who took the effort to make it work, um, to take the initiative, get the technology working. And we've had wonderful times meeting together, praying for one another, um, reading through, continuing our study through the Gospel of John. I've been encouraged through text messages and phone calls and um, quite a few people from the congregation who have, uh, over the last few weeks, um, been in contact. And um, so be encouraged. Be encouraged if you're making efforts to have fellowship with others, that uh, let's continue to do this more and more. So Paul seeks fellowship with the Thessalonians, and secondly, he seeks fellowship with the Lord in prayer. In verses 10 to 13, we read there that, um, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. Sorry, <laughs> my Bible's flicked over to 2 Thessalonians. Okay, from verses 10. As we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face, and supply what's lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and the Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you. So, this is, this is Paul's prayer. Um, night and day, he says, most earnestly he prays, in verse 10. What, what is he praying for? He's praying that uh, God will keep you safe and have good health. No, no he's not. What does he pray for? Let's have a look. A couple of things. Verse 10. He prays that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. See, these are very new believers. Um, Paul wants to build up their faith. Back in verse 5, um, we see he's fearful that Satan might have tempted them and their labour might have been in vain. And so he wants to strengthen their faith. And then verse 12, he prays that they would increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Love for one another, meaning their, their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and love for all, meaning for their, for their neighbour, for, for the, those in the world. And so he's praying for spiritual things for these people, for his spiritual children. And brothers and sisters, can I, can I set a challenge for us to pray this prayer every day this week? Is that alright? Am I allowed to set a bit of a challenge? Um, it's a wonderful prayer. So this prayer that, that the Lord would make us increase and abound in love for one another and for all, so that he may establish our hearts blameless in holiness before God, our God and Father, at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all his saints. Let's pray that each day this week and see what the Lord does among us. I, um, I read an interesting article the other day. A uh, Professor Jeanette Bence, Benson analysed internet searches, um, you know, Google searches from 75 different countries and reported that the search intensity for prayer doubles for every 80,000 new registered cases of COVID-19. So, in other words, the harder hit a country is with COVID-19, the more people are searching in Google the word prayer. And um, 
hopefully this means people are actually praying and um, uh, praying more and, and calling out to God in repentance and faith. And um, it, it is in those difficult times, isn't it, that we t tend to turn more to God in prayer. And um, just on prayer, the, the, the church is starting up the, uh, the prayer meeting again via Zoom. So tomorrow, if you want to participate, just send Dave Butler an email and he will send you the link tomorrow at 7.30. And um, we can pray together without even leaving our homes. So we've seen that separation causes longing, which leads then to seek fellowship with each other and with the Lord. And thirdly, the third cause and effect is that when fellowship is found and experienced, we, we have a deep sense of comfort and joy that comes from that. So, to, to Paul, knowing that the Thessalonians are living and growing in their faith brings so much comfort. You, you can almost hear a sigh of relief. Uh, from Paul, as he writes in verse 7, he writes, For this reason, brothers, if in, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. It, it means the world to him, that his children are walking in faith. He says, For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For now we live. This, this is Paul's life. This is his mission into which he's poured his heart and his soul. Paul is so thankful to God for the joy the Thessalonians bring him. Verse 9 says, For what, for what thanksgiving uh, can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? Does it bring joy and comfort? To us, to know that others are walking with the Lord. Parents, many of, many of you know what a blessing it is when your, your children walk with the Lord. When they reach that age, when they're, they're, they're more able to make their own decisions and, and take their own path in life. And, and they choose to reject the deceptive and empty ways of, of the world and they choose to obey Christ. And it's such a joy and a, and a blessing. I love, love going into prison each week. Um, there are many prisoners who just come for a week or so uh, and then you don't see them ever again. And, and there's some that come week after week and you see them grow in, in faith. Um, you, know, you hear one bellowing out amazing grace with all his heart and his soul and where once um, he might have just sat there quiet um, being a doubter, a questioner. Or you see one defending passionately the deity of Jesus. That Jesus is God. He's the Son of God. He's, he's the Saviour. And um, you see a prisoner uh, just, just uh, declaring his faith where once he would have uh, just been a sceptic. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful to witness. And I wonder if you can think of times when you've experienced joy and comfort uh, from seeing the Lord at work in others, producing faith and love, maybe in, in loved ones. Give thanks to God for that. 
That's what Paul does here. He thanks God for it. And, of course, the opposite is, is true, isn't it? Um, it brings great sadness and great distress to hear Christians drifting from or rejecting the faith. For some of you, this is your own children. And, and like Paul, you pray earnestly for them, night and day. Don't give up. Keep praying for those loved ones. I was talking to a friend um, the other day who, who recently visited an older Christian couple. And they were just chatting and this, this older, uh, older couple were just talking about how bad the virus was, how, how bad things were, you know, fearing health, fearing their own death and how little money they had. And, and they, they were just in despair at their circumstances. They, they'd lost sight of the hope, even though they were a Christian couple. And when my friend tried to, tried to lift their eyes up uh, to, the, to the eternal hope in Christ, um, how, how we need not fear death if we have Christ, it, he, it just went down like a lead balloon. There was silence. And then this couple continued to, to wallow in their hopelessness. Where, where's the fellowship in that? Friends, don't ever underestimate how much your faith in the Lord can affect someone else. More than ever in these times, we need to share our faith with our brothers, with each other. We need to remind each other the wonderful truths of God. You, you and I are, are weak and fickle creatures. We, uh, you know, I, I, I've had doubts this week myself. Um, we are weak and fickle creatures. It's God's grace that has saved us. And it's God's grace that sustains our faith. And it's, it's the wisdom of God that has chosen that it should be by, through the encouragement and love of others, other believers, that sustains our faith. And that strengthens us on this, this journey that we're on. And this brings us to our final verse. What is this journey that we're on? It's a journey towards meeting the Lord Jesus and His saints face to face. This ultimately is what we are longing for, isn't it? We'll look at the return of Jesus in more depth when we look at chapter 4 together. But for now, let's just look at verse 13. So that He may establish your hearts blameless and holy before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all His saints. I don't know about you, but since the COVID-19 pandemic, I've been spending more minutes of the day thinking about Jesus' return. It's much closer now um, than obviously than Paul's day uh, a couple of thousand years ago when he wrote this letter. Um, but it's, it, it seems even closer when we see the events of the world around us. Um, the, the, the creation is groaning in the pains of childbirth. As, uh, as Paul says in Romans 8.22. Are you looking forward to Jesus' return? I am. Are you ready for his return? Will your heart be blameless? And um, Verse 13 here, it's, it talks about our hearts being blameless. It's talking about Jesus when it says, um, it says, He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. And um, It's Jesus who's establishing our hearts blameless. Over in verse 24 of chapter 5, 
It says, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And again, Jesus is faithful. What a wonderful and sure hope that, um, that he will establish our hearts blameless before the Father on that day. What, what else matters? Um, if you're not trusting in the Lord Jesus for, um, to, to establish you blameless on that day, then you must. There's no other way. There's no way to the Father except through Him. Um, so come to Him. And brothers, let us long for that day when Jesus returns and, uh, and the, the eternal joy is ours. We have that eternal fellowship with the Lord and with each other. And in the meantime, we need each other. Share your faith. Love one another. Share with one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your abundant love for us in Jesus Christ, who died for us so that we might live with him. Lord, make us increase and abound in love for one another and establish our hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.